0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Anatomy & Physiology. We are here at the beginning of a brand-new semester, starting off in a couple of days. So I decided to jump all the way back to the very beginning of the first semester of Anatomy & Physiology and talk a little bit about histology and specific epithelial tissue. So I'm going to tell you what it is, what it does, and go over each kind. Um, But one thought I want to, like, Suggest to you is that whenever you're looking at histology slides um, or prepared specimen slides of any kind, uh, consider the preparation that happened to that specimen. So, first it was removed from the donor and then perhaps preserved, and then perhaps it was put into a certain medium that could be sectioned. Um, and depending on how the planes were cut and which direction they were cut, um, how wide they are, so forth. Things can look different. So keep in mind that there can always be variety based on that, as well as based on the sample. So with that, I will explain to you that epithelium is a type of tissue that is a layer of cells arranged into a sheet or into several sheets. An epithelium typically covers exposed surfaces or lines internal cavities um, such as the ventricles in the brain or blood vessels, and then um, exposed surfaces, examples would be the skin um, and the inside of the digestive tract is absorbed to significant uh, mechanical and, and, uh, sorry, chemical stresses. Um, But there's a couple characteristics that epithelium has in common across the board wherever it's located. And the first one is cellularity, meaning that the cells are really tightly joined and close together. They utilize very tight junctions, um, and this allows for this tissue to be very um, tightly controlling of permeability, which is the function that corresponds with that feature. So any substance that leaves the body or enters the body has to get by an epithelium first, whether that's a gas, air exchange in the lungs, gas exchange in the lungs, um, or through the process of digestion, things that we put in our mouths all go through epithelium. So it's very important that these... Um, have integrity and won't won't let anything in willy-nilly so those spaces between cells and the cellularity is extremely tight the next characteristic they have in common is polarity which means that there's an uneven distribution of organelles in the cell so You will have an apical surface and a basal surface. The apical surface is towards the lumen or towards the outside world, while the basal surface is towards the basal lamina, which is the sheet, if you will, that epithelium sit on top of. So this corresponds with another function, which is um, apical adaption. and this means that these cells can have different specialized organelles of sorts on their apical surface, the functional surface, um, and the type of adaptation that's present there determines the cell's function. Um, we've talked about attachment. The cells are all going to be, or the bottom layer of cells, is going to be attached to the basal lamina, which is a complex structure produced by the epithelium and cells of the underlying connective tissue. Epithelium will always sit on top of a connective tissue. By the way, test question, underline, star. The next characteristic I want you to be aware of is avascularity. Epithelia do not contain any blood vessels, and that means that all of the waste and nutrient exchange and so forth that these cells require for their metabolism has to be accomplished by way of the basal lamina, so absorption through that. Um, and keep in mind that means that cells at the bottom are going to be better nourished than cells at the top, and that may sound like a bad thing, but consider skin, which needs those tough um, ker- keratinized carcasses of scale- cells on the top layer. So of course epithelium is arranged into sheets and layers. that's another that's another characteristic common to all of them. And last but not least, these types of cells regenerate. So there are stem cells located, Uh, near the basal lamina, and they divide into new cells. And that also helps maintain the integrity of these membranes, which is so important. So other than permeability um, and specializations on cells, epithelium serve a few other purposes. Most noteworthy, they provide physical protection. So they provide, they provide protection from abrasion, dehydration by creating a watertight layer, and they also protect from chemical and biological issues. They keep stomach acid contained safely in the stomach, and they keep a lot of pathogens outside um, of the skin by creating the barrier with the skin. Another function of epithelial tissue, which is very interesting, is the provision of sensation. So they are generally innervated by sensory nerves and some specialized epithelial cells detect changes in the environment and they're able to communicate those changes to the nervous system. Um, Yeah, so that's cool. And There's also, sort of, in conjunction with that, a specialized type of epithelium called a neuroepithelium and that is found in special sense organs that provide the sensation of smell, taste, sight, equilibrium, and hearing. So those are specialized to our five senses. So yet another, and I promise this is the last one, a uh, function of epithelial tissue is to produce specialized sensation. Um, Or secretion. Sorry, not sensation. Um, And that is in in glands, because quite a few epithelial cells are found in glands, which can be either unicellular or part of a whole glandular epithelium. So, specialization of epithelial cells. I kind of touched on. Um, That's the apical surface or the functional surface of the cell. Um, having these distinct adaptations that allow for the um, performance of a specific function. So the first one to, to know about is microvilli. And these are these are common to most epithelial cells. And they vary greatly between um, only a handful per cell to um very, very, very many, and they increase the surface area of the cell because each of those protrusions creates uh, more surfaces that contribute to the total surface area. So not surprisingly, these cells are found where secretion and absorption occur. So that would be along portions of the digestive and urinary tract. Um, and that's, once again, because of that high surface area. Um, microvilli can increase the surface area of a cell by more than 20 times. Another adaptation which is really similar is stereocelia. And they're very long microvilli. They do not move independently, but they just increase that surface area extra. And they are found... Only a couple places, the receptor cells of the inner inner ear and along portions of the male reproductive tract. The third apical adaptation that you should know about is cilia, such as in a ciliated epithelium. And each cell that has cilia contains about 250 of them, and they will beat in coordination with one another. So kind of like a wave going through a stadium is how I like to picture it in my head. Um, But they transport substances across their surface with these movements. So in the respiratory tract, there's the mucus escalator, which moves mucus, pathogens, dust, dirt, what have you, up the respiratory tract so they can be expelled through coughing. So now that you know what an epithelium is and all the different things they can do, we will classify them in two ways. First by the number of cell layers that are present, um, and that falls into either simple or stratified. A simple epithelium will only have one cell layer, whereas a stratified epithelium will have two or more layers of cells. So simple or stratified. And now the next factor that we use to classify is the shape of the cells at the exposed surface. So we sort those into a bunch of different shapes. um, Squamous, cuboidal, columnar, so on. So starting off with squamous cells um, in a... Simple squamous epithelium, so one layer of squamous cells. Um, These cells look like fried eggs to me, sort of flat with a little bulge for the nucleus, like the yolk is the nucleus. Um, But the simple squamous epithelium is very, very fine and delicate. It's the lightest and most delicate epithelium found in humans um and it's found places such as the respiratory gas exchange surface in the alveoli of the lungs and the inner lining of the ventricles as well as the inner lining of the circulatory system the and sorry i meant the ventral body um cavities not the ventricles it's a little confusing with the circulatory stuff um But it lines places that need really efficient um, friction reduction, slippery non-stick surfaces that are also going to be fine and light. It's almost like the um, really nice Gore-Tex of the human body. It's um, very good at its job. It's very efficient and strong but you have to take good care of it. And they break down easily, unfortunately. Um, So going further with squamous epithelium, the other type we have is stratified. And now this is the opposite of a simple squamous epithelium because these are very tough. And these are found where mechanical abrasion is very, very high, such as the surface of the skin. and on the surface of the skin, these cells contain a protein called keratin, which makes them waterproof as well as increases their durability, whereas other examples of stratified squamous epithelium, such as in the oral cavity and the esophagus, rectum, anus, and vagina, places where moisture is important, they are non-characterized or otherwise called mucosal. So moving on from squamous epithelium, we're going to talk about cuboidal epithelium. And these cells rep- resemble small boxes, sort of hexagonal in appearance, um, but a lot of times they appear just pretty square and boxy, um, depending on how you're viewing it and what what angle the plane was taking, taken at um, but the, the simple cuboidal epithelium provides pretty limited protection and it usually occurs more where secretion and absorption are taking place so that would be places such as the epithelial lining of the kidney tubules whereas a stratified cuboidal epithelium more than one layer of cuboidal cells are really rare and they're only found in a few examples of ducts and sweat glands um, and perhaps most notably in the mammary glands which are exocrine by the way and now moving on to columnar epithelium these cells as the name implies resemble a column um, and they're taller than they are wide Um, and a simple columnar epithelium is most common and it provides ever so slightly more production than a cuboidal epithelium, but it's still mainly found where absorption and secretion are important, such as the lining of the stomach, intestinal tracts, uterine tubes, and many excretory ducts. Um, Significantly less common is stratified columnar epithelium, and they are found um, along some portions of the pharynx, urethra, and anus, as well as in a few large excretory ducts. But these are um, not numerous, and there aren't many examples of where they are. So now on to my favorite epithelial type. Um, One of my favorite epithelial types, pseudostratified columnar epithelium. And this one's cool because it's real sneaky. It looks like it's stratified upon a cursory examination. However, the nucleuses of the cells are all at varied distances from the basal lamina, meaning you'll see some connections with the basal lamina that are wide because the nucleus is sitting right there and some that are thin because the nucleus is closer to the apical surface which allows the cell to get kind of skinny as it connects down to the basal lamina. So it's truly one layer of cell because each cell connects to the basal lamina but it looks like there's more than one. And usually these types of epithelium will be ciliated. So you may want to practice saying pseudostratified ciliated columnar epithelium. Uh, Because I can almost guarantee you, wherever you are in the world and whoever your anatomy and phys professor is, they're probably going to make a joke out of having everybody in the class say that at some point before you take your final exam. Um, But pseudostratified ciliated columnar epithelium are found all over the place, such as in the nasal cavity, the trachea, the bronchi, and as well as portions of the male reproductive tract. So they have those cilia, which we talked about, Are an apical adaptation that moves, beats rhythmically, and um, creates a current that sweeps um, different items along them, um, such as mucus in the digestive tract or in um, the uterine tubes. They um, usher the egg down the tube, down the fallopian tube. So, finally, we'll talk about transitional epithelium, which, and this consists of several layers of cells that have the ability to stretch and accommodate distension. So, this is found in the urinary tract, primarily the urinary bladder, but also in the ureters and the renal pelvis. Now, the renal pelvis is... The exit of the kidney, the part of the kidney that leads into the hilum and eventually gives way to the ureters and those lead down into the bladder paired on each side just as the kidneys are and the bladder must stretch to accommodate the expansion of urine as that fills and empties several times a day. Um, So these cells start out kind of fat and end up a little skinnier um, and the layers kind of spread out. I recommend looking at some histology slides especially for transitional epithelium because they look really cool. So that brings us to the end of the types of epithelial tissue and I hope everybody's semester starts out really strong. Um, anatomy and Phys is gonna be a wonderful class if you're just starting out. So, I hope you're excited to learn a whole bunch of new things. Um, And yeah, send your questions. I would love to answer any specific questions anyone has. This is Frances Cronin. Thank you for listening.